Alexa, play Taylor Swift. I didn't catch anybody. Okay, good. You know, I got Alexa on my phone now, and uh, I have not figured out how to get her to play uh, automatically, which is a good thing, because she'd have just gone off. Uh, but I did get uh, an Alexa device for Christmas, and uh, I do have it uh, in my place, and it, I used to uh, have silence all around me. So I'd get up in the morning, and if Carolyn had already gone to work, uh, I ate breakfast in silence, and I got dressed in silence, and I left in silence. Now, I've got music and stuff all the time. What's the weather? What's this? Uh, you know, uh, I, can, I, I just say, Alexa, smooth jazz. Alexa, 80s pop. Alexa, louder. Alexa, weather. And all within, like, just, I'm just making oatmeal, and it's all happening all at once. Uh, you know, you could have taught this sermon uh, 20 years ago. It would have been true that we were in a busy, fast, loud environment. But, oh my gosh, is it true now? We are in such a highly caffeinated, Instagram, texted, emailed, news, constant cacophony of chaotic input in our lives. And I, I want to just say for all of us, we kind of like it. You know, we all, we all buy the phones. We all have the data. We could turn it off if we wanted, but we don't because we like to be able, I do, I, I stream. I look at all of the news things that's going on and, and all of that. Uh, and yet, on the other hand, there is in us a desire for slowing down, for some quiet. You know, one of the most popular things on the internet right now is mindfulness mindfulness. There's meditation and relaxation. Unplugged vacations is a big thing that we can do. I, I am sure that serenity is a channel I could listen to on Alexa, and then I'd want her to play it faster probably. Um, so uh, we're talking about peace, the character trait of Jesus of peace. Uh, it's one of the nine that we call the fruit of the Spirit. They are His character traits. They're character traits we can take on. Uh, we recognize them as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Uh, we're pushing that one way off to the end. Uh, and, um, and so the thing that I want to say about peace which is one of the one, the one we're working on today, is that it's an acquired taste. Peace is something that we don't automatically enjoy when we get it. It's kind of like eating Greek yogurt when you're used to yo play. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of sour. It kind of has an odd texture uh, because yo play is basically melted ice cream. And so, <laughs> right? So it's like, I'm not sure I like this. It's also like um, trying to learn deep breathing or, or stretching. You know how you ever try, they give you these lessons on deep breathing. It's exhausting to breathe. And, uh, and if you try stretching, so, you know, you go to exercise. I'm exhausted after stretching. They said, that's just stretching. Oh. So it's not that fun. But, but it becomes fun. It, it becomes uh, positive, that deep breathing or that exercise, when you finally get used to it. At least that's what they tell me, because I haven't done that yet. 
um, but I want to say that we, I don't think we need to defend or, 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 or fight the argument, win the argument that we would all benefit from more peace in our lives. Uh, but if, you, if somebody were to say, well, how, how would I know that I don't have peace? Here are six ways uh, that, uh, that th- six things that happen when we don't have peace. The, the first one, things seem to bother you more than they should. Uh, you can take notes if you like. Uh, you know, I'm sure that some of these will sound familiar to you. It's hard to make up your mind about even simple decisions. So that was one of mine. I had a job that was so stressed, so much going on in my life that I'd come home and Carolyn would say, what would you like for dinner? And I said, let me be clear. If I may have to make the decision about what we're eating, we're going to starve because I, I can't make another decision. So I, I had that one. Number three, impulses to eat and drink and spend or crave will be harder to resist than they otherwise would be. Four, we are, number four, we are more likely to favor short-term gains in ways that leave us with long-term costs. That's interesting. And uh, five, our judgment suffers. And six, we have less courage, less courage of our convictions when, when we don't have peace. And none of, them, none of us want that. Um, we like our fast-paced lives, uh, but we'd also like some peace. And I want to say the good news is that we are destined to be people of peace. We are destined to become more and more like Jesus. And he had that character trait of peace. Uh, And it's one of the nine that he had. And we can take it on. Um, And... uh, we, we said it, we, those are very familiar nine, but in the book of Galatians, uh, we've been reading it from the message translation, and it has a little bit different language that in some ways uh, is more familiar to us, but it also kind of brings a new sense of each of these fruits. So let's uh, read, I'll read Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Oh, doesn't that sound like what we'd like? That, that would be, we, we would love that. And um, the character trait of peace in this translation is the word serenity. And that feels good to us. Uh, peace in the New Testament is comparable to shalom in the Old Testament. And we understand that a little bit. It's described as wholeness, the absence of confusion. And I also want to say, it's about this present life. I know some of us in our lives are like, I'm never going to have peace. But all of these character traits, they're things we can have now. Sometimes we, th- we hear things in the Bible and we say, well, that's never going to happen until we die. We're, go- we're going to get that when we get to heaven. No, no, this is one you can have right now. We, we all are encouraged to put on these things, to experience these fruit of the Spirit now. Um, so it talks about it being like a fruit, and, and that's intentional. Uh, Paul wrote that it's a fruit of the Spirit, and so we can look at our character traits and see 
how are they like a fruit? So, for instance, um, fruit is the natural outgrowth of a healthy plant or tree that is taking nutrients through its roots and, it, and water into its trunk and out into its branches and sunlight. And if all of that is happening, fruit is the natural outcome. And so what God is telling us is that my fruit, the gifts of God, the, the character traits of Jesus, you don't have to try really hard to make it happen. What you do is allow the Holy Spirit to come up into your spirit, your soul, your body, your mind, and the fruit of the Spirit, at, for instance, peace, will naturally flow out of us. Wow, wouldn't that, that would be great. We would love that. That sounds, uh, I'm ready for that. Um, can we make it happen? Can we force ourselves? We call it white knuckling. I'm going to be more peaceful. Uh, you know, I'm going to have more joy. We can't make it happen, but I'll tell you this. We can encourage it. We can encourage it to happen. So if you think about that tree, um, a gardener cannot force a tree to produce fruit. But a gardener can um, help it by taking the soil and nurturing it and uh, tilling it and adding fertilizer to it and watering it. Um, so uh, you can't force a tree to produce fruit, but you can encourage it, uh, which is the same way with us. So with that question in mind, I want us to focus for a minute on a parable that is amazingly relevant to, our, to this topic. Jesus actually talks about a fruit tree not producing fruit. Um, and so it comes from Luke chapter 13. Uh, it says this, Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but it did not, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, Leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around and fertilize it, and if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. This is a great story. Um, for one thing, how long did he say to give it time? A year. You know, sometimes we want peace now. That's not going to happen. It takes time, right? Uh, and another thing about this text is that people often take the parables of Jesus, and, we, and you know, it's like, well, Jesus sounds so angry. He sounds so mad. You know, he just wants to cut that tree down. Well, okay, this is a vineyard. They're growing grapes, not figs. For some reason, he has the, the owner has a fig tree, and it doesn't produce anything. And so he says, take it out. Wouldn't, isn't that what we would do in our backyard? I mean, do we have room for trees that aren't producing? If, it's, if it looks dead, if it's not doing anything, what do you say? Well, let's take it out and put something new in. So that's what the landowner said. And the gardener was like, you know, I don't think I've given it everything I could. I don't think I've, I don't think I've tried everything I can. So let, let me try a little bit more. And what does he do? Exactly what we said. Fertilizer, water, tilling it. Um, he doesn't say, I can make this tree produce fruit. But he does say, I could do some things for it, and let's see what happens. Um, he uh, can do for that tree what we can do for our souls, and it's this. We can create an environment for growth. We can create an environment in which 
production of fruit is the natural outcome. Just all, that's actually all we can do. We cannot force fruit to grow from us, but we can create an environment where growth is the natural response. So a few years ago on trash day, I saw a tree in a pot at a neighbor's house, and it was dry as a bone. The, the dirt had pulled away from the edges of the pot. The, the almost no leaves on it at all. Uh, the ones that were there were brown, but I could see just a little bit of green. So I, I said, well, I'll take it. So I took it, I put it in our backyard, and I watered it. It's green. It's grown back. It's full of leaves. Now, I will tell you that water wasn't enough to produce fruit. If I want to produce fruit, I'll either have to put it in the ground or get a bigger pot and fix the dirt and add more and more fertilizer and all of that. But the basic rule applies. You know, you take that thing that doesn't look like it's going to do anything and create an environment where growth and green are the natural outcome. So Jesus participated in many practices, activities that we are familiar with that, uh, that helped him create this life that became natural for him. Things like prayer, long seasons of prayer, and fasting, worship, and community, and long reading of scripture, and even memorization of scripture. Some of those things we do regularly. Some of them we've maybe never done, uh, but they're all familiar to us, and each of them would be something worthwhile doing, and we could teach classes on each of them. I want to give us three practices that Jesus did that helped create an environment where the fruit of the Spirit, and peace in particular, naturally grew out of him. Um, so, Number one, practice acceptance. Practice acceptance. You know, I don't know if you know this, but we cannot control everything and everyone. We certainly like to try, but Jesus understood that. Judas, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus did not take Judas aside and said, hey, brother, listen, let me, can I... Let me talk to you one more time and try to explain to you why I am the Messiah, why you need to follow me, believe in me. No. What did he say to Judas? He said, what you have to do, do quickly. He practiced acceptance. Uh, the most famous example of Jesus practicing acceptance was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, we are all familiar with that one. Um, it's in Matthew 26. It says, Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. So the most common understanding of that text is that Jesus knew that he was destined for the cross. That had been the plan all along. Uh, but at this point, uh, he was saying, if there's, if there's a plan B, it would be nice. If, 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 I could, if, if, if I don't have to do that, I'd like to not have to do that. And then he practices acceptance. Then he says, but not my will, but yours be done. And um, the practice of acceptance helps build peace in our own lives. Judas could probably have frustrated Jesus for the three years that he followed him. And if Jesus really, really wanted to make sure that Judas wouldn't betray him, how frustrating. But when he, when he accepted, you know what, I can't change Judas. 
then, then peace flows into him. And that's how it works for us as well. Um, he practiced acceptance and let that Holy Spirit flow into him and come out as peace. Number two, spend some parts of the day without noise. All right, this one's going to be hard. I, I, don't know where, I don't know where this is going to happen for you. It may be in your house, in your bedroom, somewhere. But when we say practice uh, a part of the day without noise, it, it doesn't just simply mean um, la, you know, noise, but all that input, distraction, all of that. Spend some time without that. Now, uh, what Jesus practiced was spending time in silence and solitude. And uh, he, he would often go away, and they would have to go and find him. Um, so Mark 1, the very first chapter of Mark, we read this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He spent time in silence and solitude. Um, I'll come, I, I want to go back to an a idea that I had last week that we live in a transactional world, but we're transcendent beings. God is transcendent. He's more than physical. And this whole transactional life that we live keeps us grounded. And in fact, an awful lot of what we hear about religion and faith is transactional. God, you do this, I'll do that. You know, if you do that, I'll do this. And, and God is not transactional. And so Jesus had to spend time uh, in silence and solitude in order to experience the transcendent nature of God. Um, uh, my mentor, uh, he he's, was asked, um, what are the most important things we can do? What's the first thing we should try as we're trying to live into this life? Every single time, he'd say silence and solitude. And then we would say, what's the second thing? Because that's probably not going to happen. This <laughs> so, um, but spend some parts of the day uh, without noise. Jesus did that. And number, th uh, well, first, before I say number three, let me just say, if a first century man who had no newspapers, no internet, no input needed to spend and find silence and solitude, well, you finish that sentence, right? We're going to need it as well. Number three, add positive instead of just removing negative. That is, add positive thoughts and situations to our lives, not just the, not just the negative. Don't just remove the negative ones. So a gardener can take the weeds out from around a tree, but he's got to add fertilizer and water. We've got to add positive in. I love Matthew chapter 5. And in verses 14 and 15, we read this. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. That is the perfect illustration of adding positive to push out negative. Jesus says, add light. Add light. We all know what that's like. You don't, uh, you walk into a dark room, you don't try to get rid of darkness. You just add light. Now, you can try this at home if you like. You can go somewhere into your living room or something, get all the candles you want, everything that you have, bring all the lamps into the living room. Don't turn any on, don't light any. And how, how effective is it going to be to get rid of the darkness? Not at all. But you've worked so hard, you've done so much. It's useless. 
light one candle and see if you don't begin to dispel and get rid of the darkness. Add the positive and watch that the negative uh, goes away. The Apostle Paul gave the Philippian Christians a very practical example of this. It's just, it's just wonderful and it's very um, appropriate for all of our lives. And some of you know this by heart. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, don't worry about anything. Worry is the negative. Instead, pray about everything. That's the positive. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Is there more to that? Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. He says, don't, don't worry, don't, but instead of trying to get rid of the worry, add peace. Or add, add prayer, add thanks, and see that my peace will trans, you know, just go overwhelm you. Uh, and the peace of Jesus Christ. So we add prayer. We add thanksgiving. I, I love that. Um, it, you know, if you go home and you don't want to do the candlelight thing, try this. Take a Ziploc bag, any size, and, and get rid of all the air. Get, just get, take all the air out. Pack it, push it down, zip it tight, get a straw, suck out the air, whatever you want to do. Do you think you've gotten all the air out? That's trying to push out the negative. Just take that same Ziploc and fill it with water. There's no air. It's gone. You didn't try to get the air out. You just filled it with water. That's adding the positive and let the negative um, take care of itself, basically. Before we look at the same three things for our own lives, because I want us to walk through the same three, I want to go back to this tension between wanting to have peace and serenity, but living such busy, crazy lives that this doesn't actually look that good. That, that sometimes the, the peace and serenity, it feels uncomfortable. It's, it's awkward. Uh, so um, we live in such a hyper-fast life that we have to do something about that in order to experience the joy of that slower life. So I found this out um, back years and years ago, uh, and I'll tell you about it. So if you come visit me in my office, you'll see this. This is a platinum album. Probably very few of you have ever seen one in real life. This is uh, the very first Christian album ever to go platinum. It was a million, uh, platinum is a million, sold a million copies of The Music Machine, a children's album. I was national sales director for Sparrow Records. Um, this is a cassette, by the way. Some of you have never seen that. <laughs> so, um, so Platinum Album. I was national sales director. And I had a partner who, between us, we managed 25 salespeople and uh, had a $20 million uh, sales uh, budget and uh, goals. And we would bring those 25 salespeople in twice a year uh, to a sales conference to really pump them up you know, and, and, and get them ready to go and excited about selling more records. Um, and I was having an existential crisis. Uh, I was terrified because uh, we had two different artists. And we had lots of artists, lots of people. But two that we had, one was um, a fellow named Steve Taylor. He was a rock and roll 
I mean, he was fast. He was almost a rapper. It was just, he was awesome, so exciting, so big. He toured with a full rock band. Uh, was awesome. Another artist we had was John Michael Talbot. He was a Franciscan monk. He lived in a hut. He played an acoustical guitar. That's it. His albums were one guitar, him playing psalms and songs that he wrote that sounded like psalms. Uh, beautiful. So um, we're going to have the sales conference, and the day before, we get to preview the music. And I'm terrified because I've just listened to the brand new John Michael Talbot album. It's terrible. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it is so slow. It sounds like a funeral dirge on half speed being drugged through the desert. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, how? what are we going to do? We've got the sales force coming in. We've got to pump them up. And what are we going to do about this? And my partner, who older, wiser, he said, let me just ask you a question, Neil. What did you listen to before you listened to John Michael Talbot? I said, Steve Taylor. He said, okay, I want you to do this. Go home, turn off the lights, light one candle, get a glass of wine, sit on your couch, and listen to the entire John Michael Talbot album. I did. Tears of transcendence, of seeing God in the middle of those strings, those simple acoustic strings. I could, I could hear God in the silence between the notes. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, I couldn't wait to try to figure out how to play it for the salespeople in a way that they could experience this as well. But I will tell you this, a 45-minute album took about half an hour just to let my blood slow down, to let everything relax so that I could move into the experience. This is the challenge we will experience as we seek to move from this busy cacophony of a world that we live in into something calmer and smoother. I, I'm just going to warn you now, it, you won't like it at first. Um, but stick with it. Uh, stick with it. So uh, the reality is we can have peace. We just can't have it fast. And we can have serenity. We just can't have it loud. We're going to have to come to a place of quiet and rest. So those same three habits that Jesus had that we can have. Number one, practice acceptance. We can't control everything and everyone around us. We can't, we can't have everything exactly the way we want it. Some people won't change. And in order to ha have peace, we have to practice acceptance of that. But as soon as I say that, I'm going to interrupt myself and say, now listen, if, uh, if you are in a situation where you're being manipulated or abused or you know someone like that or there is danger, don't practice acceptance. That's the wrong spiritual discipline. And abusers and manipulators, they're the first ones to say, the preacher said you're supposed to accept. No, don't hear that at all. There, try something else, like call a friend. But, but don't, you, this is not imprisoning any of us. 
But for all those other things in our lives, we can practice acceptance. I have a few things in my life that frustrate me, uh, decisions that aren't being made the way I like. Uh, and, and guess what? I, I'm frustrated, but I'm not ready to practice acceptance yet. I'm just going to live with the frustration and the problems and all of that right for right now. And then sometime, I might practice acceptance. And then everything will be fine. I'm not ready for fine yet. I still want to fight. But, but soon, I will probably be willing to practice some acceptance. Um, I was in, in an Atlanta airport, and uh, a friend of mine was picking me up. He was from Atlanta. So we were riding up an escalator, and there was a big television on and an Atlanta Braves game going. And uh, as we were riding up, my friend from Atlanta went like that. That's all he did, glanced, and, and said, the Braves are losing. And I was like, how can you tell the Braves are losing? I can't even see a score. How can you just glance at it and see? He said, they're playing. <laughs> he had practiced acceptance. <laughs> I used to buy running shoes and cross trainers. Now I buy walking shoes. <laughs> I practice acceptance. There's just some things that, you know, they're not, it's, it's not going to change. And you can just imagine the, the comfort uh, of that. Uh, you know, I have to practice this. Some of us might practice. You know what? We're just going to have to take some of those pants and skirts to the goodwill that we are never going to fit into again. Just sorry about that one. We'll move on. Acceptance. Um, uh, this week, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about one thing in your life that you might change. And what's, what are one or two things that you might need to practice acceptance with that would, that would impact the way you see this situation? Um, I, I don't say that you have to do it yet, but just think about it. What's, what's something that you might have to practice accepting about something that won't change? Something that won't change. Um, but I, before you try that, I, I, I know what's already gotten into some of your heads because it happens to all of us. When we decide we need to try something, we pick the worst possible example, the hardest possible thing. And we go, well, that's the one I got to work on. No, don't work on that one. It's when, when, when we learn, when we hear something about love and we say, you know what, I need to love more. And then you pick someone that's the hardest possible person in the world to love. Don't do that. All of these things take time. They take effort. They take practice. Pick someone that you, that's nice and just turn up the volume a little bit from nice to love. It, you know, try a, try a little bit. So I want you to pick something that, you, that is not difficult to practice acceptance. You just haven't done it. Um, and, and then see what it's like to, to say, I wonder, you know what, if I were going to practice, practice acceptance, I'd probably have to do this. Or I'd probably have to do that. So think about that. Um, number two, spend some parts of the day without noise. This is going to be the hardest for any of us. I mean, where are we going to find a place without noise? So uh, it may be, like I say, in your bedroom. Um, you could lay down. You could go for a walk. You could sit. Um, and it isn't just that, there, that there's an absence of noise, you know, absolute silence, but it's that you, you don't, you're, you're not getting input. You're not receiving input. You've, you've kind of blocked it all out um, for just a little bit. 
so what I want you to do is work on sitting or standing or lying down for five minutes without distraction. Just five minutes. Trust me, it's going to feel like an hour. It's going to be hard for you to sit. And when I say sit quietly, I don't mean have Christian music playing, have a daily devotional, reading your Bible, any of that. Certainly not texting and emailing. It's nothing. Sit quietly for five minutes without input. It's amazing. It's really hard. Um, it, it won't be fun, but it's, it's good practice. It's good to, to go, wow, I really don't ever spend any time without input. And that's an important thing to realize because input is transactional. Remember, we talk about transcendence. We have to spend time quietly if we're going to experience the transcendence of God. So I'm going to give you a little help right now. Um, take out your phone or you can use your hymnal, your, uh, the Bible if it's there, or take your bulletin. I just want you to put something in your hand, okay? So everybody gets something in your hand. And, uh, you know, you're sitting, uh, you know, maybe you're sitting in a public place, maybe it's Starbucks, um, anywhere is fine, just find a place that you can sit and uh, put something in your hand and then take your other hand and make an L and then put it on your chin and look thoughtful. You can stare at that screen for five minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes, no one will, will think anything of it. Some people will think, I wish I could have their concentration. So they'll be like, I wish I could be interested in something as much as they are. It's blank. There's nothing there. But people will leave you alone. You can even close your eyes. And you're now going to spend five minutes without all that input. Here's the one thing you cannot do. You cannot sit in public and stare. Someone will call security. So don't do that. But now, now you're ready to just sit quietly and, and allow no input to come in um, and, and just see what it does. Here's what I want you to do. Write down what it feels like. Write down how hard it is. Here's something that you, many of us will experience. We feel guilty. We feel guilty that we're not doing something. We have been trained. You must be doing something. And, and you know what? One of the things they wonderfully want us to do is buy they want us to buy more. You shouldn't be sitting quietly. You should be buying. I, you could be on Amazon right now buying something. So I want you to jot down what, what goes through your mind when you're just sitting quietly. Um, it's, not an, it's not an easy thing for us to do. Um, and number three, add positive instead of just removing negative. It's very hard to push negative out. Some of us have some negative thoughts that we've had for 30 years. That's the same thoughts go through our mind. I can daydream for an entire commute about some situation and what I'm going to do and what I'm going to say and what they're going to do and what they're going to say. And then I'm going to do this and I'm going to say that. And I, I go, wow, I just spent 25 minutes, you know, having an argument with somebody that's not even here. It, it, we, you know, you can get caught up in the negative so easily, it's really hard to get rid of it. But we add the positive and the negative gets pushed out. So I'm going to give you an example right now. You have heard this before. I'm sure somebody, you've probably heard this before. When somebody says to you, don't think of a zebra, right? So don't think of a zebra. Don't think of that black and white striped horse running across 
the veldt with a lion chasing it. So what are we all thinking about right now? A lion and a, uh, and a zebra. You can't help it. It's still there. Okay, that's fine. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to think back to Christmas dinner. It was just a month ago in December. Think back and what did you have for dinner on Christmas? For whatever thing that, whatever you did, how you celebrated Christmas, what did you have for dinner? Was it turkey or ham or beef? Maybe fish? Did, did you have vegetables? What kind of vegetables? Potatoes, sweet potatoes? What did you have for dessert? Was it pumpkin pie? I, I, don't tell my wife. I can't remember. I've done this with three services. I can't remember what I had for Christmas dinner. I'm going to say pumpkin pie for dessert, because if I didn't have it this year, I had it last year. So, um, but try, you know, if you're thinking about it, whether you can think of that or not, here's what I want you to notice. What's, what, what haven't you been thinking about for the last 30 to 45 seconds? Zebras! Not a one of them! That one thought just pushed the other right out. And that's what happens for us. Think uh, about the positive. Um, so you have three things you can work on. Um, this one, pushing out the negative, or spending some time without noise, or practicing acceptance. I want to invite you to try one of those, uh, whichever one seems to fit best for you. And if you do it, write me and tell me. Let me know that you're trying it. And I would love to have that interaction. I have been on that journey before, and I've had those experiences. I have more resources available. So um, you can just email me. Uh, it's pastorneil at stonebridgecme.com. Or you can just neilnibo at neilnibo.com. Pretty easy to find me somewhere. And, and I mean it. If you're doing it, email me and let me know. Um, I once had I offered that to a congregation. And one guy took me up on it. And then he came in to see me. And I said, we had a great conversation. I said, okay, so do this and this and this. And the next time, we'll talk about it. He said, there's a next time? And I said, well, unless you don't want to, I'm happy to work with you on this. Uh, I said, Counting you, you know how many people take me up on this? One. <laughs> so I, I, you're welcome because you know what? If you go on this journey, what an exciting thing. Remember I've said, take one step and God will show you the next and the next and the next. So let me remind you as we wrap up here that uh, we are seeking to become who we are destined to be. People like Jesus, living the kinds of life he would live if he had our circumstances. And uh, that we are being invited to let the Holy Spirit come into our lives to fill us, our body, soul, spirit, mind. And out of that, those character traits of Jesus, those fruits of the Spirit are naturally going to grow. So let me invite you just to close your eyes for a moment and put your hands in your lap. And let me just finish with Jesus' own words about peace. Jesus said, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid.